0: Welcome, citizens, to Liberty Tales from the Tower, brought to you by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. As your media director, it is my privilege to inform you that the following stories will contain content some listeners will certainly find disturbing. It has been a rather quiet few weeks here in Atreus, but we here at the station still have some rather remarkable news for our listeners Our station's primary writer Caitlin Statz and our producer Travis Vengroff have been working on a new tale to terrify listeners across worlds Their new horror podcast The White Vault is set back on the vile earth we Atrians left long ago Here is a taste of what's to come services in Neolison. Our repair team has completed the assignment. A storm has stranded us here for over a week, looking for confirmation and information. Anyone please respond. Hello everyone,
1: I would like to thank you for accepting the offered position for the examination and repair expedition out to outpost Freestad.
0: My God! Are you seeing this? I it? What the fuck? Then go do it, then. If we can leave, we need to get moving. This storm is not normal. We must leave.
2: The following documents and recordings are a compilation detailing the events the repair team sent to Outpost Freestead, consisting of Dr. Rosa Della Torre, Walter Heath, Graham Kasner, Dr. Karina Schumacher Weiss, and Jonas Thorninson. In the winter months, gale storms in Svalbard can reduce visibility dramatically. During these storms, travel is not advised. The White Vault, coming October 2017.
0: Perhaps you recognised some dashing voices from that clip. Well, we here at AB3 are glad to aid our creators on their new endeavor, but remain terrified at what is yet to come. My co-worker and station correspondent, Aurelia, will tell you more.
3: Thank you, Petrus. The new show, The White Vault, premieres on October 3rd on a separate podcast feed. So subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Libsyn to experience a story told by much of our station's illustrious team.
0: And uh, what is it that you brought to show us today, Aurelia?
3: Excuse me? Just the new show, The White Vault, coming soon.
0: Uh, no, I meant, what is in the box you are holding?
3: What are you talking about? I'm not holding any box.
0: <laughs> right now, in your arms. The large metal box. It, it seems to be humming.
3: I never took you for a joker, Petrus. Do you not think it's time to introduce the show for this evening?
0: Mm, uh, yes, right. Uh, this week, we bring you the conclusion of our two-part season finale, Deep in Sleep, written by Caitlin Stats. So... Tuck in, close your eyes, and immerse yourself in this government-sanctioned sleep study.
4: It was past midday when I awoke to the beep of my datapad. Groggy-eyed, I swung out an arm and with a thump the call connected. Hi, Tia. Just checking in. I'm on the
3: Sky Rail, headed to the market. Your mother's privacy hood has finally ceased functioning, so I'm picking up a new one and dropping off the old one for reclamation.
4: Mom, I'm sleeping. I was up all night at the lab. Oh, Reeve, I'm sorry.
3: Go back to sleep and we'll talk to you later. Remember to eat.
4: I will, Mom. (sighs) Bye. Bye. The call ended with a chipper beep and I rolled my face down into my pillow, but as the minutes passed, I knew I was not making it back to sleep. I begrudgingly rolled out of bed and shuffled my way to the small eating space of my apartment. Meal cracked open, I poured over my datapad's newest incoming files. Corin, currently in the mines working on his first post-apprenticeship job in the engineering sector, had sent me a note with some tentative plans after his return from the trip. My mother Claudia had sent me a short message first. Hood's finally dying, getting a new one soon. Finally, a message from an update to the study dossier with the blind follow-up journal entries written every morning by the study's volunteers. I am unsure if I was meant to have access to the journal entries, but I had far more of a fear of falling behind the experienced professionals in the study. Taking a relaxed seat and another bite of my meal I opened the priority marked journal entries nurse's notes the section for disorders and disabilities sleep study 13-32 summary analysis of nurse's, notes, nurse's notes on, on volunteer, volunteer journal, journal
2: entries for night 5 While the journals from the previous and first four nights of the study have been filled with positive reactions and statements regarding the effectiveness of the new drug to aid in a restful night's sleep for all those within the study, regardless of their past sleep disorder history, the journal entries written by the volunteers and the incident reports from the night apprentice nurses from night number five have proved there is still room for improvement. Last night saw a resurgence of several types of sleep disorders in volunteers with specific disorder histories. Volunteers across the disorder spectrum documented their disorders returning to some degree, some far more drastic than others. Additionally, an inordinate amount of volunteers reported having a disturbed night's sleep. Disturbance types that reached a count of over 32 mentions are listed here. Nightmares, headaches, feeling overly warm, varying degrees of scopus thesia. Overall, 135 of the 160 volunteers made note of an occurrence that hindered a full and restful night's sleep. Also, when filling out the scale format survey on a rating of 1 to 8... The satisfaction of the night's sleep dropped from a score of approximately 7.89 for the last four nights to a score of 3.35 for the fifth night. Head nurses and Dr. Quarter discuss at study meeting.
4: The joy I had only recently felt for succeeding in helping so many people faded as I read. I reflected back on the incidents of last night, the thrashing man the bleeding woman. They needed help, and we had grown too cocky with our brief stint of success. But this was a study, and we had far more to learn. That night, fully rested and ready for the study ahead, Agrippa and I sat in the observation room closely watching the monitors and sound signatures. Where our previous nights had started more lazily, now we began on full alert. The woman from last night started early. It was only about two hours into the study when her monitor beeped, signaling its disconnection. Checking her video feed, she lumbered slowly toward the window. In a dash, I rushed out of the observation room to the woman's small clinic room. As she pressed her face against the mirror, I pulled her gently away, leading her back to bed and strapping her in. After reconnecting the monitor and a quick clean of the smudged mirror, I got a buzz from Agrippa.
1: The sleep talker from last night is at it again.
4: Same thing as last time?
1: Same creepy thing.
4: I'm on my way back. She's strapped down for the night. As I walked back down the hall, I passed the room where the sleep talker lay and looked in through the window, sleeping otherwise peacefully. I turned to leave, noticing the man in the room across was also moving his mouth. Agrippa, do you have audio for room 29?
1: Nothing loud enough to activate the sensor, but I can take a listen if you want.
4: Could you please?
1: More sleep-talking? Whispering, uh, more like.
4: (sighs) I will listen when I get back. Eight seconds. Agrippa had everything queued up for me when I arrived.
1: So, here is the sleep-talker from last night. I already documented it, but yes, here you go. The red men are angry. In.
4: It is louder than it was last, angry, last night. And in.
1: all the more unpleasant the red for men are it. Angry and and the red men are here angry. is the new sleep whisperer from across the hall.
4: More repeats. Did you document find it?
1: Yes, I did. And I checked the file. Oddly, she has no history of sleep talking on file.
4: I poured a mug of caffeine and settled down at the desk. I spent the hour flipping through video feeds for any hint of motion, while Agrippa did the same. Apparently a group of Agrippa's friends from courses were out at some concert tonight. But there was work to be done.
1: I've got a spike in heart rate from the night terror sufferer from yesterday.
4: One moment. Yes, I have the feed here. They're in the corner of the room in the fetal position, but the monitor is still attached.
1: Still asleep based on these readings... If it is a physical manifestation of the night terrors, we're supposed to leave them be, unless they hurt themselves.
4: I would find it unpleasant to awake on the ground.
1: If we wake anyone up outside of an emergency situation, we would be disrupting the study.
4: Let's just keep some attention on the readings to see if anything changes. Numbers fluctuated, but the sleeping veteran, distinguished by a veteran's permanent black lip stain, eventually rested against the wall like a child who fell asleep listening to a parent's tale. As time passed, we got several audio indicators and heard the cries or somniloquy of volunteers plagued with nightmares. They all stayed sleeping, but their numbers were great. Our two primary sleep talkers continued for over an hour until both stopped, seemingly simultaneously. Soon after, a monitor alarm blazed. Not again! Tia, get the sedative. I rushed down the hall with Agrippa, case in hand, to the same room we had fled to last night. There, the man who had just yesterday attacked his monitor had done so again, with far worse intent. Gripping a shattered piece of translucent plastic, the man had gouged a spurting hole into his own stomach. With only slight apprehension for personal safety, Agrippa moved in, dodging back as the man lashed out with the bloodied shard. Ah! Time running short as blood pooled to the floor, I called in for additional assistance from the hospital below. As two more nurses arrived, we were able to disarm, subdue, sedate, bandage, and treat the man. He never awoke during the entire process and was transported to the hospital below to administer liquids and better assess his self-inflicted injuries. Agrippa and I returned to the observation room, and they set about writing an action report and signing off on the volunteers' transfer to the hospital below. Still riding the adrenaline high, I cycled through the 159 remaining volunteer video feeds and checked monitor statuses. The veteran's monitor beeped slightly, but nothing outside the normal night terror-induced range. I jumped as Agrippa tapped my shoulder.
1: Whoa! Sorry to frighten you.
4: Just a bit on edge after everything. Need something?
1: Can you read through the action report and sign off on it if everything looks right to you?
4: Yes, of course. Can you watch the monitors? The veteran seems to be having another night terror. Sure. I made a few annotations to the action report, pointing it out to an agreeable Agrippa with every edit. After half an hour, it was signed and I sent the report to the hospital's receiver. Hurry. I'm starting compressions. Get the crash cart. Call it in. Emergency call. This is Leontia Soto in the sleep clinic labs. We have another patient in need of medical transport and assistance. Charge ready? (sighs) Shit!
1: Work! Work! Work!
4: The veteran died. A heart attack possibly brought on by the shock of a night terror, gone before Agrippa and I could even make it to the room. The nurses who rushed from the hospital below said we did everything we could have done, but that sometimes it's impossible to save a life. But I wonder if I could have. If we had awoken the frightened, sleeping mind from the torment of the night terror when we first saw them come about, could we have? Was it really impossible? Or had we just missed our opportunity? I called my mothers in tears that morning after I left work. I held back the specifics, but I explained that I had lost a patient. Lost someone in my care. Failed to help. In the way my mothers do, they split the burden of consoling me. One appealing to my emotion, the other to my logic. In the end, they told me to get some sleep to put some time between me and the incident. I went to bed in tears. That afternoon, awaking slightly more clear headed than before, I checked my data pad. I had an array for cute pictures and encouraging words flooded into my inbox from my mother's and a small message from Corin.
5: Hi Tia, your mother's told me what happened. I'm so sorry I cannot be there for you today. We actually spoke on this a couple years ago, remember? Everyone in the medical courses worries about their first patient's death. You'll certainly get through it. Being unable to help one person does not make you incapable of helping thousands of others in your future. When I get back from this mining trip, we'll spend some time together, okay? Some nice cool drinks, float around the pools, fun. I love you, and I know you'll do great things.
4: Smiling at his voice, I willed myself out of bed and got a bite of meal. That is when I heard the ping. A new message arrived on the datapad. Last night's volunteer journal entries were already in, and already examined. The section for disorders and disabilities, sleep study 13-32.
2: Summary and analysis of nurse's notes on on volunteer journal entries for night six. First and foremost is the death of our volunteer last night during study hours and while under the proper dose of our drug. We are all saddened by our volunteer's death and the follow-up report by the hospital staff who saw them after our apprentice nurses called for emergency assistance has deemed the cause of death to be a heart attack. The volunteer, a veteran of our fair city, was aged and had several pre-existing health problems. Due to this, his death has been deemed a natural occurrence by the medical staff. While we are saddened at this patriotic citizen's passing, we look to the future and the positive benefits we hope our study to generate. We will work together for the betterment of Atreus. Additionally, there was a violent incident last night in the sleep lab that led to the call of emergency assistance. Taking place before the aforementioned death, a volunteer attacked himself in his sleep and was sedated by our apprentice staff with additional assistance. The volunteer is stable and back to fine health, and all the staff involved are unharmed. In assessing and reviewing the journals and surveys given to volunteers upon waking, we have determined that, out of the 159 volunteers, 142 have now reported some hindrance to a full and restful night's sleep. The larger compiled spreadsheet of afflictions and disturbances can be found in the attached file. satisfaction score for last night's sleep dropped on average another point across the board, now scoring a 2.34 out of 8 in comparison to last night's 3.35 or the average for the first four nights of the study at 7.89. Several reports have stood out though. The most interesting trend is the presentation of new cases of sleep paralysis in a higher percentage of patients than we had with the sleep paralysis at time of volunteer intake. Also, we found one of the journals to be particularly disturbing. Here, we would like to share an excerpt.
3: I had one of my sessions of sleep paralysis last night. I'm unsure how detailed these reports are meant to be, so I'll just explain it here. Please disregard it if it does not help your study. It stood near the door, blocking it, as its stomach ripped open to expose a wide smile of yellowed teeth. It was there for some time, though if it were minutes or hours, I can never tell. It smiled, and then after some time it slipped through the door. It returned thereafter, its stomach massive and the mouth chewing sloppily. It stayed that way, chewing.
2: This was the excerpt. We will be consulting additional professionals. We believe this volunteer's sleep may have been further disturbed by additional stimuli as their room is across the hall from the volunteer who passed away last night. On the note of uncommon occurrences, multiple volunteers describe nightmares in a similar manner. Many dreamed of being awake in their clinical rooms and seeing something through the walls. One volunteer described it as a pole of hot metal. Another described it as a red glowing smudge. They were documented at being at different distances from the volunteers and many have only vague recounts. Now, we believe this may again be due to the additional disturbances caused by calling in emergency medical assistance nurses from the hospital below. Head nurses and Dr. Kwa to discuss at study meetings. If I had been looking
4: for a way to cheer up, this was certainly not it. I set my datapad aside and flipped on a broadcast, settling back into my chair with my meal and a hot drink. In my comfortable coma for the day, I counted down the hours until I had to leave for work. The study continued, and so did the stressful, harrowing trials of the night shift. As we were currently on night 7 of the study and the study was scheduled for a total of 32 days, I think it is important to describe the developments. I did find out that I was not meant to be receiving the journal assessment messages every day, but that my datapad's address had accidentally been added to the list. I told no one and continued to live fully in the developments of the study. Every night had more occurrences, the sleep talkers continued on, Sometimes for hours at a time. When played simultaneously, it would sound like they were speaking to each other. Agrippa grew more exhausted with every night, as did I. Thankfully, we were assigned another apprentice nurse, Fausta, a steely woman in the midst of a late life career change. She was of far more assistance to Agrippa when called in to restrain a volunteer which was happening more and more frequently as the study progressed. We also grew too scared to leave the observation unattended, as problems could develop in an instant. One night, 14 volunteers all stood from their beds at once and walked to their room's one-way glass mirror. Each of them, unable to see the hall beyond, seemed to be staring at the main hall's doorway, As far as their monitors were concerned, they were all fast asleep, though dreaming. After that night, it was decided that all volunteers would be strapped into the beds at the time of drug administration to ensure volunteer and worker safety. Agrippa, Fausta, and I were more than relieved. We were told through gossip channels that the project coordinator, Laurentina Ramirez, had received multiple applications from volunteers to drop out of the study. But not many chose to do so. After finding out, all of their community service hours would be voided if they did not see the study to its completion. When volunteers came in for the night or left in the morning, they grew more aggressive and rude, angry at every small thing, new or old. Corin returned from his trip, but I was too tired and busy to take time off for any personal time. He was understanding, but worried. My eyes had grown sunken and dark in just over a week, and now even my sleep was restless and nightmare-ridden. I have no memory of the nightmares, but Corin wakes me up before leaving for work when I toss and turn with frightened gasps. On the twelfth night, so much happened. Agrippa, Fausta, and I checked in the volunteers that evening but three citizens never arrived. Dr. Qua arrived with an update. One volunteer had fallen from a skyrail platform earlier in the day and was pronounced dead upon arrival of emergency medical personnel. With a somber hand, I sorted her profile into the deceased file on my datapad, joining the veteran. There was more, one volunteer a young man with beautiful blue hair I remembered rather well, had completed suicide in his apartment this morning. Agrippa placed a consoling hand on my shoulder as I hung my head. How was this helping people? Dr. Qua's datapad beeped.
1: Yes, I'm here. Whew. Found? Well, wake her up. Have you tried? Bring her in on a stretcher. We'll attach her to a monitor for observation and follow procedure. The last volunteer is coming in now should be here within an hour. You should begin the administrative process now, and you can check her in when she arrives. Now, excuse me. I have hours of work to do to even keep this study alive on the administrative level following these most recent developments. May the Archon watch over you.
4: And we did. We strapped the volunteers down for the night, administered the drug and eventually the final volunteer arrived. She was already asleep, strapped to a gurney which was wheeled into her clinic room. I checked her charts, both her previous file and the one sent to me by the medical team as she was wheeled in. She was a hypersomnia sufferer, so falling asleep at odd or inappropriate times would not be outside of her normal range of actions. She had been found asleep on the street as though she had fallen over mid step. Citizens had called emergency medical services soon after, and they attempted to awaken her. They failed. She was brought in fast asleep, and once the monitor was attached, we could tell she was already deep within REM sleep. I made a note of everything in the file and set about the monitors for the evening. Agrippa and Fausta soon joined me in the observations room. All the volunteers settled in for the night. It was mere moments after they took their seats that the audio monitor spiked. I flipped on the channel. No! Lock them out! Lock them out! That is new. Lock them out! What
1: does the monitor say? Lock
4: them out! Still asleep. Lock it! Please! Did you lock the door?
1: I think so. Lock them out! Fausta? Please!
4: I was last in, but I do not remember.
3: Lock them out! I have to check.
1: Please! Lock them out! It was unlocked. I think it stopped. There's no way any of the volunteers could know it was unlocked.
4: Not from in their rooms. It's locked now, absolutely. It is going to be a long night. We settled in, mugs in hand and eyes on the screens. Fausta had a lot of wonderful stories to tell of her daughter, who just turned six, and she tried to lighten our spirits as the night grew darker. Two hours in, monitors flared. At the end of the hall, in the last possible clinic room, a man began convulsing, thrashing in his bed against the restraints. I hunkered down in the observation room as Agrippa and Fausta dashed down the hall. And then the door clicked open. No!
0: Please! Lock them out! Lock them out!
4: I had left the feed on, forgetting it in its silence. Lock them out! Monitors were going off all over the panel, lights flashing, a barrage of quiet beeps. I flipped them on. Lock them out now! Close it now! Lock Lock them out! I had rushed to lock the door. While more channels blinked for attention, I could guess their content. I locked the door, and the screaming stopped. I contacted Agrippa and Fausta on my hood. Hello. How is the volunteer?
1: He is fine now, but we heard a lot of screaming.
4: It seems to have stopped now, though. Can you check in on some of the patients visually on the way back? Ah, scrap. What? What is wrong?
1: Check the visual feed for room 184.
4: (gasps) Archon! Check on that! I will look over the feed! The volunteer in room 184 slept peacefully, unmoving, while Agrippa and Fausta rushed in. Unaware and blissful, as blood streamed from the corners of her eyes and nostrils, the volunteer slept... Agrippa called to her, tapping her, while Fausta began cleaning up blood and checking her eyes. They could not wake her, and she was not alone. As I furiously flipped through the monitors, I found others like her, peaceful and bleeding. I rang the numbers to my fellows one after another, room after room. When none could be awakened, I called in for additional aid, and more nurses ran to and fro down the halls. Trying to aid the dripping, sleeping volunteers. I looked up their numbers, cross checked their notes. The 14 volunteers who had stood in unison in their sleepwalking state mere nights ago now slept together as disaster befell them. None of them woke up. Even as morning came and volunteers left disgruntled or in tears, those volunteers never awoke. Lights dimmed and windows tinted black. The volunteers stayed on in their tiny rooms as several nurses came to relieve we exhausted three from our post. Cold-hearted, my psyche and body crippled by compounding nights of these distresses, I curled into my sheets. It chased me down the halls. A searing light that crackled skin and filled the air with warm, putrid smoke upon its touch. I saw my apartment in the distance and drove into its open door, promising safety in mere moments. As the door chirped reassuringly closed, a puff of chilled air escaped my throat. It would never leave me be. As the light smoked in under the door, I retched with guilt. A panic I deserved... A punishment for failing those who were in my charge. Justice for the dead. Revenge for those lost in sleep. As the door shook behind my back and under my palms, my resolve melted. Everything I had wanted from my life slipped between my fingers as so much dreamt ash. Whatever pushed at the door needed no outline as it reached out to grasp at skin and hair dreams and ambitions and set them to smoke one by one it was real as my eyes fluttered open and the bombardment continued i gripped at weak bending sheets to shield from aggressive sounds waiting my life away in fear and dreary-eyed we never had an option but an initial reaction throwing my hood on i mustered borrowed courage and armed myself with a dainty table lamp Proceeding to the door, reaching out and breathing out, I clicked it open.
0: Citizen Soto.
4: I do not know you. Leave, let go of me. Just
0: just stop. I I need to talk with you.
4: Who are you? I I am awake.
0: (laughs) Of course you are. I going to let go now. Please do not try to hit me with the lamp.
4: Who are you?
0: Gaius Zypes, one of the volunteers from the sleep study.
4: I should report you for assault, citizen Zypes.
0: Report me? I I knocked on your door and you attempted to hit me
4: with a lamp. I, I remember you. It is against regulations for me to meet with volunteers outside of the study itself. Please leave.
0: No. Citizen Soto, I only had insomnia. Not even chronic insomnia. Just a few times a week. This study is ruining my life.
4: There is nothing I can do about that, Citizen Gaius. I would like to go to sleep now, so please leave.
0: No, I... You need to listen. I used to want...
4: How did you even find me? I... You need to leave.
0: I used to want to fall asleep, Soto. Not anymore. Please. Please keep me awake. You have to have drugs for that, too. Right?
4: No, sir, I do not. Please leave, or I will call local enforcement.
0: (laughs) There are things figures in the sleeping, Leontia. They are there in every sleeping hour, and they are coming for me. For us. They will only torment us for so long.
4: What are you talking about?
0: They won't just stop with us. Now they know where we all are. Why would they stop with us? Who? The
4: Red Men. Sir, Gaius, I understand you have not been sleeping well, and things can be slightly confusing under such circumstances. But I need to sleep, and you need to leave.
0: You are not listening.
4: Citizen Zypes, I have just signaled the local enforcer. While he is a kind man, I believe it would be in your best interest to leave before he arrives. Now please depart or I will have to hit you with my lamp!" Peeling a look of aggravation over his face, Citizen Zipes stepped back out of the doorframe, disappearing down the hall in stewed silence. I locked the door, sliding down to the cool tile below in relief and fading adrenaline. As the world faded back in, I looked at the puny weapon beside me and righted its askew base. Yes. I, the mighty 155-centimeter apprentice nurse, would bludgeon a home invader with the formidable strength of a 14-year-old and my trusted nightlight. Exhausted and in unfounded giggles, I called Corin.
5: Hey, hello, pumpkin. You should be asleep.
4: I was, for a few hours. I got a surprise visitor.
5: Was it your mother again?
4: No. A disappointed study volunteer, to put it loosely. Are you okay? Well enough, just a bit rattled. No plans on sleeping anytime soon, though.
5: Hey, listen, I'm at work, but you need to take care of yourself. Uh, call your family, take a bath, call in, and take the night off. You are not getting enough restful sleep. I think your health is in decline, but ask yourself, you're the nurse.
4: Go back to work, be safe, and we can talk later. Tia? Yes?
5: Take care of yourself.
4: I called my mothers soon after. They said the same thing. Take care of yourself, have a drink, take a bath, call in for the night off. I did. With a call and a short explanation of the circumstances, the project coordinator let me free for the evening. Unable to sleep except in short bursts, I planned to join my mothers for dinner at their apartment. Their affection and enthusiasm could be seen across their faces and the table settings. When we set to eat, there was ample laughter waiting to pour forth, and not a drop of caffeine to be seen. As a story began regarding my five-year-old self, my hood could be heard ringing across the room. With a disappointing shift of the eyes, my mothers displayed their disapproval. I did not heed it. Pulling the hood closer, I answered.
3: Tia, I'm sorry to ask. I know you took the night off, but Agrippa never arrived this evening. No one can get in contact with them. Could you please come in? (sighs) Of course, Fausta.
4: I am at dinner in another district, so I will hurry, but I may be about half an hour.
3: By the Archon, thank you, Tia. We have backup nurses here as well, but with how crazy everything's been, you know we need three or more nurses to attend the observation
4: room. I understand. I will see you soon. Check everyone in and do what you can. You need to take care of yourself, Tia. Oh, but we understand. Just make sure they know that this does not count towards one of your vacation days. Will do. You made such a great dinner, I am sorry to leave. I love you too, and I will see you later. Jamming my mouth with as much food as I could chew, I left for the Skyrail. By the time I arrived at the door with its solemn tone of entry, all the volunteers still present in the study had been checked in, strapped down, and administered the drug. Agrippa, nowhere to be seen, had put Fausta and I in an awkward position with a new nurse, Aurelius. He handed me a datapad instantly upon entry.
1: Have you seen this?
4: uh hi i am tia
1: i guessed fausta said you were coming in look at the data pad
4: oh 27 dropouts did they know they would lose all their community service hours they knew everyone knew they would rather lose it all than continue has agrippa contacted you no not at all anything odd yet tonight
1: no thankfully but i have heard some of the horror stories the nurses tell
4: well, welcome to the party...
1: Aurelius.
4: Aurelius. Is the door locked? Yes, I double-checked. You look tired. No sleep today. No caffeine, either. My partner, Corin says I have been having nightmares, too. Though I have no memory of them. My daughter says the same. Some of these files say that
1: some volunteers did not check in, but are still here? They've been here all day.
4: Those? Yes. Thankfully, the bleeding stopped. Now, they are just asleep.
1: For over 36 hours?
4: Yes. They've been on the monitors this whole time. No changes. Caffeine. A chocolate for caffeine. As I poured my mug full to the brim, I looked over the monitors with weary eyes. So many rooms now empty, and many more filled with dreamy minds and latent fears. I took a seat, glancing at the clock glancing again and hours had passed did you let me sleep
3: no did you sleep you looked awake you're flipping through the feeds
1: for the rumors i have heard this is turning out to be a rather normal night
3: i just got here it has been hours i think you're on mug number five
4: i stared at them has anything happened not a thing I continued, minutes slipping by with every blink and sip, tap-tap of the monitor keys. Every channel looks the same over time, bed, monitor, volunteer, mirror, wires, bed, monitor, volunteer, mirror, wires. They would stir, a kick, a mumble, grinding teeth, a cough, bed, monitor, volunteer, mirror, wires. Kick. Mumble. Grind. Cough. Kick. Mumble. Grind. Cough. 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 The man on the screen jumped forward with every cough, kept down by the straps tied across his chest. Focusing, I waited for it to stop. Then the red came up. I grabbed a kit and tapped Fausta's shoulder. Room 78 is coughing up blood. We rushed out leaving Aurelius to attend the monitors. Things slowed down, and the run down the hall felt like every misplaced hour. Upon reaching the room, I felt winded, gasping for breath, and could hear the muffled curses of screaming sleepers. Fausta opened the door, and within seconds we were attending to the volunteer as he sputtered up a mass of blood. Fausta set about undoing the restraints as I checked the patient's mouth. There... As I cranked apart his clenched and grinding teeth, I saw the ragged stump where once his tongue had wagged. There, as he coughed, jumped the severed muscle in the back of his throat in a growing, gasping pool of blood. Roll him on his side! Fausta, a formidable woman of ample strength, rolled over the now unstrapped man, and with a few more heaving coughs, the tongue fell free in a roll of fluid.
1: Tia, Fausta, they're all screaming! dozens of
4: them. Aurelius, calm down. It has happened before. Just lock the door. I
1: did. They haven't stopped. It's all
4: the same. Listen. Fuck this. I'm calling it in. Fausta ran down the hall, and I stood in the door watching her. I knew what she wanted to do. I had pondered the same thing. End it all. With a flip of the switch, every light in every room blinked into existence. The hallway lit up in a blaze of sterile white light and the hiss of the clinic-wide stimulant inhalant poured from the walls. As I stared out at her from afar, the screaming stopped, and Fausta's face turned to me with a tired smile. Peace never lasts, and as the confused volunteers awoke, the shrieks of terror rang out again. Paired with confused thrashing, the clatter of metal buckles rising, Fausta rushed to a window. I had no need. From the doorway where I stood, I could see into several rooms. While the doors were locked, I watched in awe as sleep-deprived volunteers broke free from their nighttime restraints. Violent and uncontrolled, the vicious citizens lashed out, some slamming themselves against their one-way mirrors with unimpeded force. A woman before me struck and dashed her head against the glass until her nose had turned flat and blood poured down her front. Shocked. I watched her draw the blood up and across her face as though spreading soap. Next to her, in another room, a man retreated to the corner of the brightly lit room. He rocked back and forth, again and again, while letting out bellows of agony. As he slowly rotated, I could spy the broken piece of metal he used to saw into his foot, snapping tendons and pulling away flesh. He giggled as he placed his severed foot to his face. I was in shock and my legs bore me nowhere, leaving me to do nothing but choose another room to watch. A man nearby sat on the edge of his bed, holding a finger in one hand. The gnawed flesh and snapped bone told me he had bit it free of his hand. And now the joint it once connected to drew bloodied circles on the man's clean, white nightgown. Further on, leaning far out of the doorway, I spied a woman break a monitor's plastic to attempt to saw open her arm. Clenching my eyes shut, I leaned against the door. Aurelius.
5: I've already called in assistance.
1: I should be here any moment.
4: At that point, I heard footsteps and saw Fausta. Fausta anger in her eyes opened the room to the woman with the broken face. She rushed in, trying to subdue the woman for medical treatment. I gazed as my legs shook beneath me, and I could not go to aid her. I watched them struggle through the window, heard a tear of flesh and Fausta's gasping cry of pain. The fury in her eyes as she struggled against her attacker glimpsed a sliver of war. A fight for the chance to see her child again. The room vibrated as the door to the hall burst open with a crash. More nurses pouring in. And I watched, helpless, as the bloodied woman sunk her teeth into Fausta's neck. Tia, watch out! I swung around, a passing glimmer gone. Facing back into the room we had rushed to so long ago now. There before me stood the reddened man whose tongue now lay useless on the floor. Gleams of white teeth peered through a veneer of blood as the smile that stretched his face plagued my mind. A pressure, sharp and deep, radiated through me as the sickening grin glided inches from my face. I could smell sticky copper and hear moist breath slide from his mouth, from my mouth. The grinning horror before me let blood trickle down his chin as though insignificant, and it pooled to his clothes and the floor below. I traced falling drops with my eyes, then my body as it fell, knees crashing with unwanted force to the hard, slick floor. Breath gone, hair lying matted in blood. I glanced down to the cracked spike of glass burrowed in my chest. Oh Tia! <laughs> no, Red white lore light Dark
3: no thank you. Has there been any change? I understand that it was needed but I sure you can understand my worry.
4: Mom? Tia? Tia! Tia! Oh, oh, Tia, are you awake? Mom. Oh, yes. Claudia! She's awake! Claudia! Mom, not so loud. Tia,
3: thank the Archon you are awake. Is this a hospital? Yes. I will go get the nurse. Claudia, keep her awake. Tia, dear, you have been asleep for a few days. Days? You, uh... You were stabbed, do you remember? A piece of glass got stuck inside of you. Uh, You had heart surgery. Slightly. I remember pressure and pain. That is fine. No need to remember the painful things, okay? Now, please do not try to move yet.
4: (sighs) Didn't plan on it.
1: the doctor's here Leontia, we are glad to see you awake I would like to talk to you about what has happened But will she be able to go home soon? With some supervision and regular checkups She can leave tomorrow She has been here for about Six days following her surgery already So as long as she passes a few tests She can leave tomorrow
3: She will be coming home with us until she is back to full health We can bring her to her appointments Make sure she takes the medications
1: Livia, you should call Corin. We were able to get the glass out, and we believe you will heal very well. No strenuous activity until you've been cleared by me, understood?
4: Oh, she will not lift a finger. I think I certainly will, Mom. We do not want those wounds opening back up, particularly the artery. After several hours, I told my mothers to go home. They looked tired and mostly just watched over me as I slept. Corin arrived in the afternoon, resisting the urge to hug me and instead greeting me with a long, sorrowful kiss. He had the story the others would not share, but I want to know. The man who had stabbed me had been killed by a civil defense force officer mere minutes after my attack. Aurelius had called in the CDF as nearly 20 of the patients attacked the nurses or continued to self-harm. The man who stabbed me was shot with a tranquilizer while attempting to slice at another nurse. He died in his sleep shortly thereafter. This happened to several patients, all shot with tranquilizers and all passing in their drug-induced doze. 34 of the volunteers never woke up that night. They died in their sleep and drifted off in their dreams. When their bodies were inspected, it was found that they had bled into their brains. Fausta had counted them all herself after treatment for wounds, and she had told all of this to Corin when they met in my hospital room one day. The remaining volunteers were sent to a mental health facility, each suffering from similar hallucinations, each screaming in their sleep, each screaming of red men. Agrippa was found alive in the apartment of Citizen Capito Tardif, a friend of the family. Apparently in attendance at a party, Agrippa was found surrounded by the perforated bodies of the partygoers. Covered hood to boots in blood, Agrippa wielded an improvised metal dagger. Citizen Defense Force officers were able to tackle and subdue Agrippa without the use of tranquilizers. Upon later interview and charges of mass murder, Agrippa stated that they were trying to hide from the red men and that if they looked like them, they would be left alone. I never saw Agrippa again. I let go of my apprenticeship at the Section for Disorders and Disabilities with little fanfare. Dr. Qua understood without explanation, and before leaving I learned that the study had been permanently shut down. By the time I was healthy enough to begin working again, I had secured a new apprenticeship at the small local childcare facility but my mother still did not let me move out on my own again. One morning, as I sat in the kitchen reading the news, my mother walked out of the bedroom.
3: Tia, I just had the strangest nightmare...
0: This concludes Season 2 of Liberty Tales from the Tower. The Liberty Podcast will be returning in February 2018 with a new show, Liberty Vigilance. Vigilance is an unscripted, investigative story told through the use of live actors playing characters in the Liberty After role-playing system. You might recognize some of the voices from this show, as well as new ones like Ashley Birch, or perhaps Wayne June, the narrator of Darkest Dungeon.
3: And remember to subscribe to The White Vault, our creator's new horror podcast coming out this October. By the Archon, you just have to tell me, Petrus. I am so curious. What is in the box?
0: (laughs) What box?
3: The one you are holding.
0: Now is not the time for games, Aurelia.
3: You're holding it right now, Petrus. It seems to be singing.
0: <laughs> I'm sure our producers do not appreciate your fabrications. And I have a broadcast to finish, hmm? <clears throat> <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast, Tales from the Tower. Deep in Sleep was written by Caitlin Statz, produced by Travis Vengrove and mixed by Brandon Strader. Deep in Sleep was read for us by Christy Luce and features additional voices by Sean Francis, Caitlin Stax, Abby Kindler, Travis Vengroff, Lanny Manella, Sarah Golding, Cap Blackard, Joseph Teagle, Katie Otten, Daniel Demarin, Danielle Reese, Russell Moore, Caitlin Buckley, and Peter Lewis. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by liking and reviewing our show on iTunes. This broadcast is a product of Fool and Scholar Productions. This production is copyrighted 2017 by John Dossinger Publishing, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Vangroff. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you.
3: Just let me open the box.
0: What box, Aurelia?
3: Right there, Petrus, in your hand. Give it to me.
0: Ah! Ah!